Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Ross, joined again by Dan and Sean, and we are going to be talking about the feeling of guilt today. Uh, we've been lo- walking through this season called Psalms and the Gift of Emotions, and I've looked at a number of different things, um, and today we're going to talk about guilt. And so last time we talked about shame. We almost actually combined shame and guilt into one episode. Then we decided that there's a there's really a lot we could say about both, as you'll see today and as you saw last week, that we decided to divide them out. But there is there is a connection uh, there is some overlap in the in the way we think about guilt and shame, and there are, there is a there is a strong relationship between them. So, what what is the relationship between guilt and shame? I guess the way I think about it is that guilt is largely uh, an emotion, a response to things that we do, mm-hmm. and so it's specific uh, sins against God or other people. But shame is when it uh, particularly takes on our identity hmm. that that it's not what I do, but who I am. So I'm not just, I didn't just lie. I, I'm just a liar. I'm not just mm. um, someone who made a bad decision. I'm, a, I'm an idiot and a fool. Yeah. And then then you become rooted and, and stuck under that toxicity of shame, and you don't believe you can have repentance because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes this unhealthy downward spiral. So yeah. th- that's how I categorize it. I know others may nuance it differently, but they're deeply connected. And what I've appreciated is trying to to do to think about what is the positive thing. How does God allow and want this emotion to drive us to be more of who we are made in the image of God? Yeah. And so we've we've talked some about that, um, and we'll get to that later on. Like, how can guilt be good? But right. I think it can be really beautiful yeah. when used in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely get to that. You know, we were uh, listening to something recently and and. Um, someone said that, you know, they kind of sighed at the idea of thinking through and talking about guilt um, and just the heaviness of it. And they, they even said that they would rather feel sadness than guilt. And I, that really struck me. Um, and I wanted to see, you know, Dan and Sean, what are your reactions to that concept? Yeah, for, for me, feeling guilty is sort of a physiological horror. What I mean mm. by that is like my, uh, my, my stomach drops and my face gets flush and I feel tingly. I, I don't know. There's just something that happens to me when, I, yeah. when I'm faced with something that I've done wrong mm-hmm. and how I've wronged someone else or disappointed someone or in that just the guilt that overtakes me feels to me much scarier than sadness would or, mm. or another emotion even it's it's a physiological horror for me yeah i mean can't you remember as a kid hearing your parents daniel and you're just like because you knew you'd done something right there was an action that you were guilty of Mm -hmm. and that you were just about to reap the consequences for the action yeah absolutely so i I, and i'd rather feel sadness than guilt because guilt means i did something wrong i don't want to do anything wrong i don't want to let other people down i don't want to sin against other people so Mm -hmm. i'd far more desire to be sad than guilty yeah and i think pride being probably one of c.s lewis calls probably the the sin beneath so many sins and and guilt just strikes right at our pride and that helps us see just how um deeply personal it is when you feel it and and sadness can be over something that's maybe outside of you outside of your control but guilt is very much (laughs) in your control so yeah no it that was a that was a helpful point that was made to just kind of get at the 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 weight of this emotion uh 
one of the things we looked at was uh, Christian counsel Ed Welch. He had a little write-up on guilt, and, and he starts going in one point, point. He says, sin is not good. Yet, guilt, joined with the message of grace, is stunning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Indeed, one of the evidences of the Spirit at work in us is conviction. And John 16 talks about that. Guilt, after we have come to Christ, is evidence that we are spiritually alive, but it can be complicated. There are ways that guilt becomes untethered from God's grace. And so there's two ideas in that quote from Ed Welch. He, he first of all, kind of talks about how guilt can be a gift. So, Dan, you've already kind of started talking about that, but, guys, how, how is guilt a gift, a good thing? How can it be a good thing? Actually, I want to pose a question I read here because I think it'll get us there, and they have no idea I'm going to ask this question. Would you rather be forgiven or justified? Would you rather have your actions forgiven, or would you rather be able to justify your actions? Hmm. Would you rather have your actions forgiven or be able to justify your actions? Wow. If your acts are forgiven, um, there's a there's a humility that comes from that. I, I my initial is I'd want my acts to be forgiven because I know that humility is such a important thing for a flourishing life, and I feel like if your acts are forgiven, that will provide more humility than be feeling justified in your actions. That's my initial gut reaction okay. to that question. Yeah, I'm I'm like, okay, what does the teacher want to hear? Yeah, right? <laughs> what you know, that's my nine ness. Um no, but the other one the other side of that would be no, like I think in my I don't know, my initial reaction is, well, I want to be able to justify my actions because that means I didn't actually do anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, we're called so the holiness, I, you know. So right? I think the yeah. teacher's answer is probably we should want our actions forgiven so there can be re- reconciliation yeah. and forgiveness. Uh, extended but my gut is like no i want to show that i didn't do anything wrong right and so i think the beauty of guilt is that it can lead us to confession which leads us hopefully at least horizontally to be able to be restored and forgiven Mm -hmm. but we know first john says if we're faithful you know if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness god promises that he will forgive our sins if we come to him so Mm -hmm. that's the the beauty of the gospel that he forgives our sin removes Mm -hmm. our guilt and our shame Mm -hmm. Um, so we ought to want to be forgiven more than we are should want to justify ourselves. and i think that is going to show in a lot of ways through the rest of our conversation this self-justifying of our actions good and bad versus the righteousness that can come through Christ, the joy of adoption, our identity mm-hmm. in Christ. Um, I know one of the things is we've just done the the, the talk for this, this topic. I mean, we've spent a long time realizing there's incredible um, number of paths we can go. Yeah. Both given the present day we're in and just how each of us are wired so differently. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think different parts of this podcast, like some of the others, are going to really be sweet balm for some of you and and a real thorn for others Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so just pray that the spirit will work in each of us as we're supposed to as we talk about this topic and the 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 gift the real gift is that it drives us back to the only one who can forgive that guilt 
yeah. right? Or the, th- the actions that we've done wrong. And so I think I'm going to hit this nail a few times throughout this episode probably, but it yeah. should always result in, in clinging to our father, yeah. not to go to him to justify our actions, but mm-hmm. to go to him to ask for forgiveness for the ways that we have, you know, done wrong and the ways we actually are guilty. Yeah, I just think of, I think I use it in our first episode with that illustration of someone just whose, you know, arm might be numb and they don't feel that their their hands on the burner mm. and it's burning. And, and, you know, when we're not feeling guilt over our sins, especially towards our creator, um, that numbness towards it leads to our destruction. <clears throat> and so it is a gift. Um, you know, one of the guys who read guilt is our most precious emotional and spiritual gift from God. Um, and, and I talked about fear earlier as one of the things that drives us to, to wanting to receive Christ, but I think guilt is the most. It's, it's because of guilt that we run to Jesus for eternal life. So that's, you know, Ed Welch kind of gets at the beauty and, and the, 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 <clears throat> the gift of guilt, but he also starts talking about how there, it can become unhealthy. There are ways that guilt becomes untethered from God's grace. So what are some of those ways that guilt becomes untethered from God's grace? And, and there's, there's a lot of things that we thought of. I don't know if we'll be able to get to all of them. But, um, you know, one of the things that first came to my mind of, of just unhealthy guilt is when you ha- feel guilt towards the wrong things. <clears throat> like maybe think of uh, this happens sometimes in families. Maybe parents have unhealthy expectations towards their children and, and kids can feel this sense of guilt towards their parents towards just expectations that that were unhealthy for them to try to live up to it's a tension there we're called to honor our father and mother and maybe there's times where it we need to follow their commands in the home but there's also plenty of times where it's it's unhealthy and <clears throat> i know many people have come to counseling over those kind of dynamics there's a sense also of just kind of feeling guilt towards the wrong things in the sense of legalism you think of Christ uh, throughout the Gospels, he's constantly pushing against the Pharisees and them making um, laws that were more expansive than what God had called them to, laws on top of laws. And so we as humans can take good ideas and make them into, you know, scriptural mandates. And uh, we're called to not follow the rules of men, but the law of God. Um. One guy we read, he said, most of our low-level guilt falls under the ambiguous category of not doing enough. And that is so me. (laughs) I really resonated with that. Not praying enough, not evangelizing enough. Your quiet times are too short. You don't give enough. And these all deal with possible infractions, perceptions, and ways in which we'd like to do more. These are the hardest areas to deal with because no Christian, for example, will ever confess to praying enough. So it always it is always easy to feel terrible about prayer or evangelism or giving in any number of disciplines. And he says we must be careful that we don't insist on a certain standards of practice when the Bible merely insists on a general principle. So like the Bible calls us to pray, but it doesn't go into deep depth on what that should look like. It just calls us to pray. Um, you know, we do have the Lord's Prayer as a as an example, but um, yeah, the, there's so many other things we could say about that. Yeah, we were at a parenting conference by Julie Lowe, and she was just talking about kind of what we expect families, Christian families to look like, the husband, the wife, the children. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, well, okay, which family in the Bible is a really good example of that for us? <laughs> and 
people started to throw out one or two and they're like, really, you want this family, you know, this sin and that sin there. And I think there's a lot of pressure here, particularly on what we think the Christian life is, like you said, and we, we die under this weight of what a Mm -hmm. Christian home should be or a husband or, and it's a inappropriate guilt. It's a condemning guilt that makes you, I'm not enough. Uh, And we put that on each other in a lot of ways. I think there is this less explicit and yet still very real Phariseeism. Now, the comeback is, well, but we need to do these things. Like, right, but it may look very different for you and in this season of life and your Mm -hmm. personality, but we don't tend to have that tension. And we live in, a, I think, sometimes an overly idealistic uh, expectations for ourselves and others. Yeah. And it's our it's our busyness too that can that can disciple us in these ways, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that we we spend it in January when we give out the CBR journals, we say we say very explicit. We try and say explicitly, this is not so that you will check your box of scripture yeah, right. reading for the day. And yet, I find myself if I miss a couple of days, I go back and and I feel that physiological horror. Yeah, <laughs> look how many days I missed or whatever. It but but it's it's our it's it's our. It's our kind of cultural modus operandi, right? Like we're yeah. just busy. We fizz our, we fill our calendars. We have to do more, do more, do more, and that that bleeds over into the ways that we pray and read scripture, like you said earlier about yeah. prayer. You know, yeah. there's so much more we could say about unhealthy guilt. I mean, is there a couple other examples you guys want to give of just unhealthy um, responses to guilt in our life? Yeah, I mean, so you have a point here about withering under the weight of Satan's accusations. Mm -hmm. One of the times I feel the worst about myself is right after I've given a talk at youth group, Mm. right? And going home and thinking, oh, I didn't say this or I didn't say that. And, and that, and, and those are, that's me believing Satan's lies. He's getting into my mind where I'm less on my, you know, on guard, right? I'm, I'm, I'm more susceptible to some of those things. Mm -hmm. So withering under, well, if I would have just said this, then maybe this kid would have believed, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, geez, those are. Those totally crush me, and I'm sure even more as, as uh, preachers of the word that can that can get at you as well. But yeah, and and some can take that further, and 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 it can lead to despair, their guilt, um, yeah. even though they confess it, uh, they don't feel a sense of forgiveness. And there's this, you know, Christians can struggle with assurance of salvation, and the Bible speaks to that. And that would be a whole another episode to talk about that. But there can also be this level of just feeling irredeemable. Mm. Um, and uh, it's kind of one guy said it, that, you know, that's toxic shame. And that's that's when we just feel irredeemable. Yeah, I think we talked about this already, but blame shifting. I mean, yeah, Adam did that. It's kind of the other extreme. Right. Yep. The, the, when it becomes untethered because we don't want to deal with our guilt and seek forgiveness, exactly. we go justification yep. or blame shifting. She gave me the fruit. Yep. Right. Instead of yep. own it, man. Like, you know, own your own your sin. Uh, and then I think other ways is we we can untether from grace is self atonement, Mm -hmm. uh, making new laws, feeling better. I'll try harder. I'll read more. Uh, I won't actually say I'm sorry, but I'll try to make up for it in Mm -hmm. the relationship in some other way. Yep. Um, I think we're great at trying to, to earn ourselves back before God and other people. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many things and all of these impaired expressions of guilt are attempts to earn love in worth or have no need of it at all. Um, and I think that's just kind of an underlying thing. So (laughs) the Psalms, how how do the Psalms deal with guilt? So 
there's there's quite a few psalms. I mean, even last week we talked about shame from Psalm 51, but that's also a lot about guilt as well. And Psalm 137, I believe, is one. But we're going to talk about Psalm 32. Um, unfortunately, I don't have time to read the whole thing. It's a pretty long psalm. But in Psalm 32, um, David talks about and, and really models for us processing his guilt. And he invites us not to deny our guilt, not to be defined by it, not to live it. But he invites us to embrace it and pray it and find that it actually leads to a good thing. And so this this psalm really starts out talking about the blessed and joyful life. But it has a very interesting route to that blessed and joyful life. It shows that that comes through guilt and confession, which is not how we think naturally, uh, at least in our fallen state. We naturally think blessing is found in someone who never messes up. You know, I think in our culture, greatness is defined by making the least amount of mistakes, doing the most right over the longest period. You know, that's what greatness looks like in, in the athletic world and the careers and in, in family world. So do we believe, as this psalm shows us and that, you know, Jesus shows us in the Sermon on the Mount, that the greatest in God's kingdom is the one who confesses the most? Um, the happiest people in the world, the Bible shows, are not those who don't experience guilt, but the ones who own their guilt and take it to Jesus. Guys, I think this, you know, sheds some light on the fact of why we confess our sins each week um, in church, would you say? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to have a, a liturgy, a habit that reminds us of the gospel. Like, it's it's not to have, as some call it worm theology, oh, how bad am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, someone talked about it should be glow worm theology. Nice. You know, that we see our sin, but we see more the image of God in us. Hmm. Again, that struggle with am I am I driven by guilt or by grace? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and here in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, both reflecting on his adultery, he, one, he recognizes there's this, this vertical aspect to his sin. He has to be right with God, reconciled to him. Mm-hmm. And he can only do that when he owns his sin um, and confesses it. Yeah, I found that to be the most enjoyable time of worship sometimes, especially as the we as I've confessed those things throughout the week. Mm-hmm. I can revisit it on Sunday morning and say, "Here's the areas I'm still struggling. Here's areas I, I've seen you help me yeah. uh, to to get through some of these struggles and things mm-hmm. like that." And then the assurance of pardon is just like it. Just uh, yeah, it's like taking a, a nice warm shower when you're cold in the morning. Yeah. Like right, it just feels that's yeah, cool. Anyway, so it yeah. can be my favorite time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, this psalm very much puts forth just the flourishing that comes and, and the, the joy that comes through acknowledging our guilt. So kind of what does David do with guilt in this psalm? He defines it, first of all, and then he acknowledges and confesses it. And then third, he receives forgiveness. And that's kind of what he's putting before us as well to define our guilt. And um, he doesn't necessarily define it per se, but he describes the feeling of it. How do you see that? You see... Um, you know, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And through my groaning, he, he groaned. And, and f- this sense that his hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. He's ex- describing just how it, what he is experiencing from um, having this guilt inside him. Um, and it's, so it's because of what guilt did in his, in his heart and in his body, this is what leads him to confess. That's just another example of how guilt is a gift. It, it pushes him towards God. It pushes him in dependence of, uh, upon God. And so his awareness of it, defining it, 
But then he acknowledges and confesses it. Verse five, it says, I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did. And I love this. I did not cover my iniquity because that's a great line because that's that's our temptation. I mean, that's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We talked about that last week, too. Uh, we tend to cover it with, um, you know, all kinds of things. We were hinting at that earlier. Often, as Christians, we do it with religious activity. Um, praying more, uh, you know, just trying to, like, clean up our lives and self-justification, um, which, of course, it's not wrong to do those things. But it just leads to this question, has it brought us freedom? You know, trying to cover our iniquity with our own actions. Uh, as David said, are, are our bones drying up from that? And, and one person I was reading, he had a really helpful point, especially for Christians who struggle specifically with that. He says, the way you know spiritual activity is a covering for guilt is that it wears you out. It's not bringing you life. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting point um, to, to be thinking about as we're trying to engage in the means of grace that we did a whole season on earlier this year. If, if it is wearing us out and it's not life-giving, maybe maybe part of that is, is we are coming to it with this motivation of self-justification. That's not what it's there for. It's there to bring us life. Yeah, I would just jump in there like, the opposite should be true. We don't cover our iniquity. We let Christ cover our iniquity. I mean, that that's the goal. Yep. And I love this uh, article we read. Mercy brings tenderness to our lives. Grace brings amazement. Both bring gratefulness. Without guilt, we miss the beauty of being loved. So I think what can happen, the religious part, you can go through the confession and assurance of pardon each Sunday. And sometimes we're afraid to really go to those dark places, mm. those besetting sins, mm-hmm. because we are afraid of rejection. Yeah, We may not directly fear it from the Lord, but we fear it from other Christians, so we're not going to admit. And yeah. yet it eats away at our soul. Our bodies become heavy. And so yep. this pattern has actually made you ignore what you really need to be guilty for. And so there's some whose consciences have become hardened, and they need to pray, Lord, really search me. And there's others whose consciences are too sensitive who are guilt have that low level guilt all the time and so the holy spirit may need to to work differently in each of us Mm -hmm. and maybe ask yourself which do you think you tend to be more of yeah so we see that following psalm 32 means that we step through the lies um lies of wanting to cover our sin or lies of feeling like we may be ruined if we confess our sin and actually see that what feels like death confession is going to lead to full life, forgiveness, and restoration. And how do we know that? And it's because of the final step of the psalm, um, hiding in the Lord and receiving forgiveness. So verse 1, he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Um, His iniquity is not counted against him. But then in verse 5, when he says he acknowledges sin and didn't cover it, he says, I'll confess it, and then it says, And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And there's there's an immediacy there. He confesses his sins, and right away he's forgiven. Um, it's this immediate covering of his sin, and the irony is if we spend our life covering our own sin and resisting guilt, we will never be covered. We will never experience freedom. But if we uncover our sin to God, then we will be covered by Christ and experience true freedom in the gospel. So that's just a brief look at Psalm 32 as a really helpful place to go and in, in that place of guilt, um, of just really... Um, exalts the the grace of God and the need for confession. So, guys, the, as we kind of close, I, there's just there's a there's a nuance needed 
uh, a lot of nuance needed in talking about guilt as we've seen in the Christian life. And there's a trickiness to it where we are definitely called to, to be aware of our guilt, be aware of our sin and confessing it. Yet at the same time, we believe in the, the, the thorough, complete work of Christ. Um, and that God has redeemed us through the blood of his son and we should not feel like constant failures because of that. And so there's this tension. Um, so what does a healthy approach to guilt in the Christian life look like? I think we've touched on it in different ways, but any other final thoughts on that? David's posture. I mean, you just covered it in saw in the Psalm, right? It, his posture is to run to the Lord mm-hmm. is to, it's not this robotic, what mm-hmm. it's, it's playing his heart before the Lord and who knows his heart anyway, mm-hmm. and going to him, and, and going to him for forgiveness, that posture is countercultural. That posture is, it fights against our better, our, you know, our natural instincts. Mm-hmm. It fights against all of these things that our culture even reinforces about what our lives should look like. And so as we feel guilt, we shouldn't waste that opportunity. Yeah. It should be a chance. It should be an opportunity. It should be a, a, a joy for us to run to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Drop everything, right? Yeah. That posture. Yeah. The, the, the challenging thing about David was, it took Nathan mm-hmm. after months mm-hmm. and him wasting away to come and show him his sin. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think even realizing <coughs> the complexity of our growth as Christians, mm-hmm. we don't always have this attitude. It is hard. We justify, we hide. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, some just thinking how often we're like, well, you know, so-and-so got caught. Would they have confessed before? Well, that's often God's means. Mm-hmm. Because we are all hiding different things. Some of us just hide better or our sins are worse. So again, I think the challenge is we say, what's the approach to guilt in the Christian life? It's a lot may look different based on where you are. Are you yeah. overly sensitive? Yep. Consequence are you um, hiding and become numb? Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of it, again, does come down. Do we really believe the good news that we are far worse than we imagine and more love than we could ever hope? Yeah. Jack Miller. Yep, and until we believe both of those truths, we're going to be slow to ask forgiveness for fear of rejection by God and people. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves, keep Mm -hmm. uh, our not only our weekly pattern of confessing and pardoning grace, but have that uh, in our daily time with the Lord, have a couple close people who we can confide in, who can press in on us, and we'll be honest with them. And I think a big thing is just not motivating one another by guilt, but by grace. Mm. I mean, so much, so little fruit comes from guilt, mm-hmm. inappropriate guilt, right? Because a guilt, again, is based on your sin against God and someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's a couple things. There's more we could talk about, um, but I'll let you all talk. Well, I yeah, I think I think that summarizes it really well. I think you hit on the the major points, um, and yeah, we could we could keep talking for hours on all this, but uh, I think that we've hit some of the major things and at least given enough for people to think about. I'm sure surely enough for us to think about. Um, so I've enjoyed again uh, talking about this, and we're gonna wrap up the season next week talking about gladness. I'm sure y'all are all looking forward. We finally made it through. Um, what seem to be the negative emotions, we'll talk next week on why actually they're all uh, positive in, in different ways. Um, but, uh, but we'll talk about gladness next week. So 
Till then, grace and peace to you all. Yeah,